Good evening. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Tyson Bibb, and a special warm welcome to any guests or visitors on this cooler than it has been uh, Wednesday evening here as we're now in the third of our midweek Lenten services as we continue our theme of the salutary gift. So at this time, I'll direct your attention to the inside of your bulletin there where you uh, have the little summary for week three where it says, Blessed Communion. St. Paul writes regarding the Lord's Supper. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? These words remind us that to participate in the salutary gift of the Lord's Supper is truly to participate in a blessed communion. First and foremost, communion and fellowship with Christ. But this communion with Christ also results in another fellowship, a fellowship with those who commune at table with us. This is reflected in St. Paul's words to the Corinthians, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Finally, in this holy meal, we also have fellowship with the whole company of heaven as we learn in the proper preface of the communion liturgy. Besides this, the chief spiritual benefits of forgiveness, life, and salvation, recipients of this holy gift also enjoy the comfort of being surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, including those they love, have departed in the faith. Our service this evening is Vespers as it begins on page 229. We now sing the first hymn. The first reading is from the book of Acts, the second chapter. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. O Lord, have mercy on us. The epistle is from 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar? What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No, I imply imply that what pagans sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel from St. Luke, the 24th chapter. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. Jesus acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. 
So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. O Lord, have mercy on us. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our sermon this evening is based upon the texts from both 1 Corinthians 10 and Acts chapter 2. During this Lenten season, we focused our meditation upon the salutary gift of our Lord's body and blood. The Lord's Supper is indeed life-giving fruit, giving eternal life to the one who eats it in faith. It is bread from heaven which nourishes and strengthens the new man for his journey toward the promised heavenly kingdom. It is a healing balm and a medicine for the soul. It is an extension of Jesus' healing ministry right here and right now. Tonight we continue our meditation upon the benefits of the Lord's Supper, focusing our attention on the blessed communion that we enjoy in this holy meal. Martin Luther's communion hymn, O Lord, we praise thee, confesses this truth in the third stanza, which we will sing in just a moment. May God bestow on us his grace and favor that we follow Christ our Savior and live together here in love and union, nor despise this blessed communion. O Lord, have mercy. Luther's hymn, along with the scripture readings tonight, they remind us that the Lord's Supper is a communion or a participation with Christ and also with one another. Hear once again those words of St. Paul. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? The word St. Paul uses here in the Greek is koinonia. It is translated in different ways into English. Usually it's translated as fellowship or participation or even communion. But St. Paul is teaching the Christians in Corinth that through the Lord's Supper, they have union and fellowship with the very body and blood of Christ. The same word is used in the book of Acts, where the first Christians are described as having devoted themselves steadfastly to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This tells us quite plainly what the early Christians were doing. They were celebrating Holy Communion. They were celebrating the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. What a blessed gift indeed. See, through the means of bread and wine, Christians come into contact with the very Son of God himself. The same Son of God who walked this earth, casting out demons, healing the sick and the blind and the lame. You see, you have union with Christ in a way that... We don't have anywhere else in the world. For the one who believes the words of Christ Jesus, this is a very good thing. Christ, the Holy One of God, shares his holiness with those who commune. This is an especially good thing for us because, well, in and of ourselves, we are not holy. With repentant hearts, we confess that we are unholy and unclean sinners. 
By our koinonia, that is our fellowship with Adam and his unholy nature, we ourselves are made unholy. Right? Adam and Eve, two sinners. Sinner plus sinner equals more sinners. And our unclean thoughts, words, and actions, they make us unacceptable in God's sight. Jesus identifies the source of this unholiness when he says, Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander, as he said in Matthew chapter 15. So it should cause us great joy, then, to hear that we unholy people can share in Christ's holiness through participation in his holy things, namely his body and his blood and the sacrament. You see, here at this altar, Christ Jesus invites us into blessed communion with himself. But there is another dimension to this idea of communion or fellowship. There's another union that takes place in the Lord's Supper. Now, it is first and foremost a union of the believer with Christ, but this blessed communion results in another union, that of Christian to Christian. Our readings tonight also remind us that the Lord's Supper is never only, never just a me and Jesus thing, though we do receive the benefits of the Lord's Supper individually, it's never a private matter. When you come to the altar and receive this salutary gift given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins, you are also bound and united to those with whom you commune. St. Paul says as much in the next part of his letter to the Corinthians. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. We who are many, says St. Paul, become one body in the Lord's Supper. Since then you are united with Christ and through him with one another. It goes without saying that you should then be united in your confession of faith and be reconciled with one another. Division at the Lord's table is not pleasing to our Heavenly Father. And if you claim to be reconciled with Christ and yet continue to hold on to your grudges and your anger toward fellow Christian brothers and sisters, are you not lying to the Lord? So then it is necessary that those who commune together are also united in faith and doctrine. And not just concerning what the supper is, but the whole of our faith and doctrine. And that they have no enemies at the Lord's table. Christians should be willing to let go of their grievances with brothers and sisters or they run the risk of forfeiting the forgiveness Christ has given them, as we learn from the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18. But there's another aspect to this blessed communion with Christ and with one another that our Lord grants in his Holy Supper that I've yet to touch on this evening. Have you ever paid close attention to the words of the communion liturgy? We pray the proper preface every, every time we receive the Lord's Supper. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying. These words remind us that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses as we are taught in Hebrews 12. We're surrounded by that great cloud of witnesses when we're gathered here at the Lord's altar. Your departed loved ones who have fallen asleep in Jesus are part of that whole company of heaven, and they are among those who have joined the church triumphant and are with Christ. So then in the Lord's Supper, you have fellowship not only with Christ and with one another, but with also these unseen saints, as the hymn confesses. O blessed communion, fellowship divine, we feebly struggle, they in glory shine. 
It's for this very reason that so many churches include as part of their architecture a communion rail that's not only in the middle of the sanctuary here, dividing the nave and also the chancel, but the rails go out behind the church and into the cemetery behind the church, showing just by that architecture that the saints are there gathered with us at the rail every time we receive the Lord's body and blood, a fitting reminder of that great cloud of witnesses that is with us. See, nowhere does this happen in such a way as it does at the Lord's altar, where Christians are joined to Christ through his body and his blood, and where we who are many are made one body with Christ. It is such a blessing, it is really beyond telling. Therefore, may we never despise this blessed communion, but always give thanks and praise to God for it and rejoice in it, for it is his gift to you, his saints. In the name of Jesus, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we are not worthy that you should enter under the roof of our homes, and yet you put your body and your blood under the roof of our mouths to make your home in us. Encourage our participation in the Lord's Supper. For it is a blessed communion and a joyous exchange where you unite yourself with us to take our unworthiness, sin, and death and give to us your worthiness, righteousness, and life. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, God of all concord, it is your gracious will that your children on earth live together in harmony and peace. Defeat the plans of all those who would stir up violence and strife. Destroy the weapons of those who delight in war and bloodshed. And according to your will, end all conflicts in the world. Teach us to examine our hearts that we may recognize our own inclination toward envy, malice, hatred, and enmity. Help us by your word and spirit to search our hearts and to root out the evil that would lead, us to, that would lead to strife and discord so that in our lives we may be at peace with all people. Fill us with zeal for the work of your church and the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which alone can bring that peace which is beyond all understanding. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lord God of hosts, stretch forth your almighty arm to strengthen and protect those who serve in the armed forces of our country. Support them in times of war and in times of peace. Keep them from all evil, giving them courage and loyalty. Grant that in all things they may serve with integrity and with honor. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Blessed Savior Jesus Christ, you bring angels and archangels and the whole company of heaven to us in your supper. Comfort us with the truth that our loved ones who, departed, who have departed in the faith are not gone, but with us unseen in holy communion. And on the last day, we will see them face to face gathered around the marriage feast of the Lamb in whose kingdom will have no end. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, once again, good evening, and the Lord bless you and keep you as we continue through this Lenten season, meditating on our Lord's gift of his body and his blood for our salvation, and uh, all the wonderful blessings that we receive in and through that gift. Uh, God's peace be with you in the coming week. I'll preach you at the door.